0: well welcome everybody to downtown Harbor church uh if it's your first time here my name is john i am the lead pastor appreciate you guys coming on out this sunday morning or whenever you do get a chance to watch this online Um, hope everybody's well hope everybody is safe so today we are wrapping up this series that we've been calling better off and if you have not been here before or perhaps if you've not had a chance to watch in the last couple of weeks that's okay. We've noted in your file. We won't hold that against you. Um, but let me just briefly catch up to speed, uh, if it is your first time here, or the conversation that we've been having, just so we're all sort of on the same page. Um, back in March, uh, when the coronavirus really just first hit and quarantine happened, the celebrities of America came together to serenade us by singing John Lennon's very famous song, Imagine. And while this is a very beautiful song, the lyrics particularly if you're a Christian, are a little suspect. Um, as you begin to listen to, to what he's actually singing, he, he really leads you to ask the question, are we better off without God? Because what, what he's saying is that if, if if you want a world that is just peaceful, okay, you're gonna have to imagine a couple of things. You're gonna have to imagine that there's no heaven. You're gonna have to imagine that there's no God. You're gonna have to imagine that there are no religions. And when we kind of look around at the world today. I mean, I don't know if you sort of looked outside recently. It's, it's not going too, too well out there. And it makes you wonder, is he on to something? I mean, if we, if we got rid of God, would we finally have peace in the streets instead of war? If we, if we were to walk away from Christianity, would, would we have love in, instead of hate? Perhaps this is a question that you've asked in your life. Maybe you're asking it right now. Well, in 2016, Harvard University set out to answer this exact question, and they concluded a a massive study. And what they found was that, no, in fact, you are not better off without God. Quite the opposite uh, is true. Uh, In fact, what they came to find is that Christianity, particularly Christianity, has tremendous physical and mental health benefits for those who participate in, in this Religion, They found that it gives us lower mortality rates all the way to better marriages and everything in between. And if you want to find out more about that, I would encourage you to go to week one of this series and and check that out. But based on this study that Harvard uh, did, um, what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks, and we're going to wrap it up today, is we've been looking at four practices that come out of Scripture that this study that these doctors and these psychologists point to and say, hey, If you do these things, you would be better off. So today, as we wrap up, I want to take a look at an act that every single Christian is the beneficiary of. I want to take a look at an act that Scripture calls us to do. Um, It is an act that I think if we're being honest with ourselves, we would say that we struggle with this. Um, And it's an act that these researchers point to and say, if you do this, thing, you would be better off. And if you haven't guessed it, today we're going to be wrapping up by talking about forgiveness. So in this study, what they were trying to do is they were trying to say, all right, how do we begin to chart the impact that forgiveness might have on the human body? If one were to practice forgiveness, so to speak. How does it impact our physical health and our mental health? And so what they did in this very large study of 1,500 adults over the age of 65 for three years, what they did is they took a look at what one's perception of forgiveness is, meaning how you understand forgiveness. And they juxtaposed that to how you execute that forgiveness. And they charted how that impacted people's lives. And What they found was very interesting. Now, I'm going to distill it down into two things that I found to be the most pertinent to today's discussion. But they found that the group that, let's say, actively practiced forgiveness, just really knocked it out of the park. That group had lower mortality rates, lower blood pressure, less anxiety, and better relationships. Sounds pretty good. Then another interesting finding that they found. They found that Those individuals who practiced what they called conditional forgiveness, all right? And then when I say conditional forgiveness, I'm talking about folks that would put parameters, if you will, around their forgiveness. Folks that would say, I'll forgive if, or when you say sorry, then I'll forgive, or I'll forgive until, that's sort of conditional forgiveness, parameters and boundaries that we put around that group died sooner, significantly sooner. And the scientists were looking at this, and they go, what, what is this about? Why is this group that practices conditional forgiveness, why are they dying earlier? So they, they kind of dove into it, and, and what they found is that this particular group is actually less likely to forgive and, and more likely to hold a grudge. And, and what they found is that doing this actually put their bodies into a constant state of, of resentment and anger, which which raised stress hormones in the body, which would wreak havoc and eventually exact a cost of earlier death. Uh, that's a problem, okay? That is not something that we, we want. And the scary thing is, I think if we're, if we're really being honest with ourselves, I think a lot of us, most of us, why don't we put us all in the same boat, all of us kind of fall into this category. Because I think it's, I think it's human nature to almost be cautious with how we practice our forgiveness. I think, I think it's, it's human nature to perhaps use unforgiveness as a uh, self-defense mechanism or, or to even use unforgiveness as a, weapons, as a weapon. And so doctors are, are looking at the, these folks who are practicing this unconditional forgiveness and they're going, you're killing yourself. I mean, literally, you're killing yourself. And these doctors agree with Jesus Christ when he says, you just need to live a life of forgiveness. And so what I want to take a look at today is an account that comes out of the Gospels. We're going to be in Matthew 18 today. And we're going to take a look at an account where Jesus is having a conversation with one of the disciples. And he's also going to be teaching a larger group. And and he's going to be sort of downloading to us sort of God's expectation of us when it comes to forgiveness in terms of our relationships with other people. Now, let me set the scene for what we're about to read. Prior to the verse we're about to kick off with in, in verse 18, um, chapter 18, verses 21, um, Jesus is teaching a group of folks, and, and he's speaking to them about what I'll call Christian conflict resolution. What do you do when somebody's wronged you? What do you do when a brother or a sister in Christ, a fellow Christian, how do you handle that? When they've offended you, when they've, when they've hurt you, what do you do? And so Jesus says, well, the first step, the first step is you go right to that person. You just go right to the source, which is really the last step that we always do, right? I mean, you go, you go to everybody but that person. When somebody hurts you, you go to like your friends and you, you know, talk trash about it to that person. You tell your family or you go on Facebook and you make some passive aggressive post that you hope this person sees. Jesus is like, no, don't, don't do any of that. You need to go right to that person. So Peter's in the back, okay, and he's listening to Jesus speak about Christian conflict resolution. And obviously, based on what he's about to say, it strikes a chord. Somewhere in Peter's life, there's a relationship that's not right. There's somebody that has hurt him, has offended him, and it seems like it's been on a multiple basis or continual kind of a basis. And because Peter is like we who want to sort of practically apply Jesus' teachings— He goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, let me, let me ask you, let me just ask you a question real quick. Um, How often, how often, Lord, he says, should I forgive someone who sins against me? Meaning he's like, you know, Jesus, I got this brother-in-law, okay? I got this brother-in-law or I got an ex or I got a neighbor. There's just, there's this person in my life and they are driving me crazy. Okay, they are always coming after me. They're always coming at me. They're always hurting me. They're always insulting me. It's always something. And Jesus, I, I just want you to know. I just like. Can you just tell me, like, how many times, how many times do I need to forgive this person? And Jesus, I just kind of feel like looks them, and kind of is like, uh, and there's like a little bit of silence. And Peter, I don't think likes silence. He doesn't like that pregnant pause, and so. He fills the gap, and he kind of gives an answer. He goes, well, what about seven times? Is se- I mean, is seven times, I mean, that seems like a nice round number. You see that, that number in the Bible. That seems to be a spiritual number, Jesus. Is seven times enough to forgive a person? That has hurt me. Now, in my opinion, if I had to forgive somebody seven times, that seems like a lot. I mean, that seems like a, I mean if you're doing seven times, it seems like you're really knocking it out of the park. But what we see right here is we see that Peter is beginning to dabble in what scientists call conditional forgiveness. He's beginning to put parameters on how he will forgive people. So he's saying, all right, listen, yeah, I forgive. And um, honestly, I'll, I'll forgive you seven times. But after that, that's, that's, that's it. That's, that's where we're going to stop. To which I think Jesus would say, well, what's going to happen with the, with the eighth time? What are you going to do? Well, I'm, I'm not going to forgive. So you're just going to hold on to that bitterness and resentment and, and anger? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Okay. okay. What Peter does here is he reveals something about himself. He shows us something about him that I think we all struggle with. Because Peter is operating under the misconception that forgiveness is for the benefit of the offender. It's this idea that if I want to do something nice for that person, right? If I want to do something nice for that jerk, if I, if I want to do a favor for that person who has offended me, I'll forgive them. And I'll even, I'll even forgive them multiple times. I'll go to seven times. I'll forgive him to seven times. We feel like when we forgive somebody, like we're doing them a favor, like we're doing something nice for them. The reason we feel that way is because when we've been hurt, we feel like something's been taken from us. I don't know if you, would, if you would articulate it just like that, but that's sort of how it feels. It's like that coworker stole my idea. My ex stole my kids. Someone stole my childhood. All right? We might not actually you know, articulate it in a debt debtor relationship, so to speak, but that's how we feel. I mean, that's why we say things like, you owe me an apology. Because whenever there's hurt, whenever there's an offense, whenever there's pain, we as victims feel like somebody owes us something. And we wait for that person to come crawling back on their hands and their knees to pay us back. And we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and we start to stew, and our blood pressure rises as we're waving this. And then, I don't know if you're like me, but then you start getting into what people call shower arguments. Do you do these? These are beautiful. I love I mean, I'm just, these are the best. Okay. And and it's like, every time you're showering now, you are just, you're just rehearsing that interaction. You are rehearsing that hurt. You are reliving that, that event. You are honestly what you're doing. You're preparing for the time that you actually meet this person and they come crawling back to you. To happen, okay? And in your mind, you lay into them with the most brilliant, eviscerating diatribe that mankind has ever seen. Oh my gosh, you have absolutely reduced these people, okay, to a puddle of tears, I mean, in your mind, all right? And your shampoo bottle, by the way, they are cheering you on because they have just never seen anything like this in their entire existence of being in your shower. And for that one glorious moment of victory you feel better don't you why because your adrenaline is pumping you've put yourself into that fight or flight and you are fighting that good fight baby oh boy all right you have taken that person down a peg but guess what they have no clue that person who hurt you have no idea what you're doing in your shower. They have no idea any of this is going on. And more times than not, they don't even know that they even offended you. And all the while, corner doctors, you're wrecking your health. You're raising your blood pressure. You're doing yourself harm. So Peter is in our position. Someone's, someone has hurt him, someone has offended him, he is angry, he is holding on to his, the resentment, and he wants to let it go. And he goes to Jesus, and he goes, Jesus, I need you, okay? That's so he, what he's saying, because he I need you to draw a line in the sand. I need you to tell me, okay, Peter, when you've you know, forgiven them twice, let's say, or, or seven times, then you're done. I mean, in, in my book, in God's book, you do it one, two, three times, you're done. So, so Peter says, is seven times enough? Jesus, if I've done it seven times, can I walk away? Can I be, just be done with this person and write them off forever? And Jesus finally speaks. And he says, no. No, not, not seven times. But 70 times seven. So I did the calculations. And when I say I did the calculations, I mean I asked Alexa to do the calculations. And she told me that 70 times seven— is 490 times. Now that's a lot of times. And I feel like if we're in a place where we're forgiving our friends 490 times, we might need to reevaluate who we're hanging out with. But according to Jesus here, this means, practically speaking, that you are forgiving someone once a month for 40 years. That's what, that's what this works out to be. And I have to assume That that this standard of forgiveness, Jesus wants us to extend to all of our relationships, right? Which means that we are basically forgiving machines. Now, when Jesus says 70 times 7, that's hyperbole, okay? That's an exaggeration. Jesus is telling a joke here. I think people might kind of laugh. I think he's bringing a little bit of levity, if you will, to a a difficult conversation. But in order that we don't miss the seriousness of, of forgiveness, Jesus continues right into a parable. He doesn't miss a beat. He goes right into a parable. And if you don't know what a parable is, a parable is a fictional story that Jesus would just create on the spot to tell a real truth. So here's what he says. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven. And when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, he's sort of talking about God's realm, sort of in God's economy, if you will. In the kingdom of heaven, um, it could be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. So there's a king, there are people in his court that owe him something. Okay, follow me? He continues. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, what the heck is a talent? And how many is okay? So we don't. Nobody knows. We don't know what ten thousand talents are. That's why most of your translations, depending on which one you're reading, it might say a million dollars. It might say uh, a lot of gold, or a, just it, you know a big sum of money. But when Jesus actually told this story in the Greek, he said ten thousand talents, and that is a significant number. And let me explain to you why. And you can use this at your next cocktail, you know, hour. Just wear a mask when you're telling the story. Um, so. 10,000. What's the deal with that number? During Jesus' lifetime, at this time, 10,000 was the highest, um, the largest number in calculation. That that was as big as it got, 10,000, all right? And a talent was the largest sum of currency at that time. So when Jesus says 10,000 talents, that would be like us saying, oh, the guy owed me like a bajillion dollars, okay? Basically, it's a made-up number. It's just some, it's like a joke. It's, the people in the audience would have thought that was really hysterical, okay? It's like Dr. Evil. This is like some crazy large number that is almost non-existent. For, just for reference sake, King Herod at that time, we know that his yearly salary was 900 talents, all right? So Jesus continues. He couldn't pay. Shock, all right? He couldn't pay, So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. So that crowd that was laughing, they're not laughing anymore. Because what Jesus just said would have have shocked them. Because according to Jewish law at this time, a man could be sold into slavery to pay his debt. That was was understandable. They, they, They got that. That was not a problem for them. But you could never sell a woman. And you certainly couldn't sell a child. And so Jesus is telling a story where this king's punishment is is incomprehensible to the audience. They're, they are shocked this has a tremendous, deep impact on them. He continues. But the man fell down before his master. And he begged him, please, please be patient with me. And I will pay it all. So... I don't know if this guy's a liar. I don't know if he's delusional. I don't know what planet he's on. That he He's like, you know what? Two more weeks. You give me two weeks, I can pay you back that bajillion dollars. Not a problem. And isn't that always the case? I mean, how many times have you heard people say, I just need a little bit more time. Just a little bit more time, and I can pay you back. Side note, they're not paying you back, okay? Then his master, it says, was filled with pity for him. And he released him, and he forgave his debt it's amazing. I mean, the king didn't say, hey, you know what? Um, pay me half. He didn't say, you know what? Come work for me. I'll put you down in the kitchen. You can wash some dishes and you can work off your debt." He didn't say any of that. This king looked at this man. He looked at this debt, which, which would be, quite frankly, humanly impossible for this guy to ever pay it back. And he showed him mercy. And he says, this debt it's been canceled. I got it. It's on me. Now, yeah. think about the magnitude of that for a second. Think about being this man who has just been forgiven of a debt that he could have never in a million years paid off. He has been saved from slavery. His wife has been saved from slavery. His children have been saved from slavery. This is life changing. Imagine how this is going to change this man's life. Imagine what he is going to do with his life, with this new gift moving forward. It's going to be incredible. In fact, take a look right, right away. Look at the change. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, right? Easily repayable. And he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. Well, that's a turn of events. (laughs) His fellow servant fell down before him, begged him for a little more time, be patient with me, and I will pay it. he pleaded. Literally verbatim, what this guy just said to the king. Continues. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, well, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant? And here's the important part, just as I had mercy on you. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Hmm. It's at this point that Peter regrets ever asking this question, okay? Because, I mean, he was hoping Jesus was going to be like, you know what, eh, how many times? Twice? You're good. Not a problem, okay? But now Jesus tells his parable where Peter is clearly the unforgiving servant. God is clearly the king who has forgiven Peter of this astronomical debt, and now Peter is, you know, squabbling over some inconsequential peccadillo, Okay, and while Peter is digesting all of this, Jesus hits him with the coup de grace, and says, "This—that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart." Um, who do I speak to about removing verses from the Bible? Okay, because I want to talk to a manager about this one. I'd like to see if we can get this redacted from the file because this is too much for me. Okay? Jesus is saying, look, seven times, no. Okay? You need to forgive every single person, every single time. Or I'm coming for you. <laughs> I'm just coming for you. To which I feel like Peter would be like, wait, hold on, wait a second. Let me just let me see if I understand this correctly. Because I'm the one who's been hurt here. I'm the victim here. I'm the one who's mad. I'm the one who's angry. I'm the one who can't sleep at night. And you're you're saying you're going to come after me? Jesus, I came to you to have you let me off the hook and say that I don't have to forgive this guy anymore. And you're saying that if I don't forgive this guy, that you're coming after me. That doesn't seem fair. What is going on here? So what is going on here? We've got to remember a couple of things, because this is kind of a, a shocking End of a kind of a shocking story. The first thing you have to remember is this is a parable. Okay, this is a made up story. This is, there is not a sort of one for one correlation with the actual kingdom of heaven. This is not totally analogous to what happens out there. Second of all, Jesus is absolutely using hyperbole. Okay, these are grand exaggerations because, because he wants this truth to be impactful and Unforgettable. Because Jesus knows, just as medical professionals now know, that failing to forgive is like pushing the self-destruct button. Holding on to that anger, holding on to that hurt, holding on to that unforgiveness, no matter what that person did to you, will destroy you from the inside out. By refusing to to forgive that person, you you, you are now, you've changed yourself to them. You've changed yourself to that negative event. You've changed yourself to that to that negative history. And and every time the holidays come by, or every, every time you you know you pass that one place in town, or you smell that perfume, or you hear that song, or you you know you you see that movie that you guys used to watch. All of a sudden, that hurt comes crawling back into your And it sets its sight on your future. And it's in that moment that that God kind of comes to us and goes, I understand how you feel. Okay, I do. And I I, I saw that hurt happen to you. But I love you far too much to let you live a life of unforgiveness. So you got to let it go. And if I have to almost scare you into doing it, then I'm going to do it because I love you far too much to let you live that way because God knows, just as you know in your heart of hearts, that your unforgiveness is destroying you. It's wrecking your health. It's it's wrecking relationships. It's, It's impacting your faith, some of you. That's why Jesus says, you must, you must, you must, you must, you must always Forgive. And the reason he can make this demand of us is because of the cross. See, when Jesus hung on that cross some 2,000 years ago, he already knew you. He knew your whole life. He saw your entire journey. He knew all your failures, he knew all your faults, he knew that you'd mess up, he knew that you'd make promises to him that you fail to keep, he, he, he knew that you'd have affairs. He knew you would take drugs. He knew it all. And in spite of all of that, he died on the cross for you. And with his last dying breath, he cried out to Telestep. One small Greek word that was used in the marketplace. It was a word that was stamped on invoices. And it meant the debt has been paid. See, today Jesus told a story about 10,000 talents, uh, an astronomical debt. But the reality is that our debt to God is incalculable, insurmountable, and growing. But on that cross that day, God showed us mercy, and he canceled our debts. And it's in the shadow of that cross that you and I We laid down our right to withhold forgiveness. I mean, when we signed on that dotted line, when we said yes to Jesus, when when we gave our heart to the Lord, when we accepted that free gift of salvation, we handed in our right to no longer not forgive people. Paul says it like this. Be gentle, ready to forgive, never hold grudges, and remember, he says, the Lord forgave you, so you must. That's a command. So you must forgive others. Now, this and what Jesus said today—it's a big—it's a big pill to swallow. I, I understand that, and, and it's the kind of—it's the kind of message that we want to say, okay, yes, but, or okay, Jesus, you don't—you don't understand, or Paul, let me just tell you my story. Let me just tell you because I, I hear what you're saying, but let me just tell you my story. Here's the truth. I'm sure if we heard your story, we would say, that's an awful story. I'm so sorry that 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 happened to you. And honestly, you should be angry. You have every right to be angry. But The truth of the gospel is that Jesus has not asked you and he has not asked me to die on the cross for that person. He's asked us to cancel their debt. Why? Well, because forgiveness is not for the offender. I mean, yeah, it sure makes things better relationally, but what Jesus knew and what Paul knew and what the New Testament teaches and what psychologists and doctors now know is that forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness releases you from your past. Forgiveness heals you from your pain. Forgiveness enables you to move forward. Now, forgiveness is not you saying what that person did was wrong. Forgiveness is not you excusing their behavior. I think that's what we often think it is. No, forgiveness is you actively deciding to no longer let their actions control your life. And it's in that forgiveness that you can finally find freedom. So, what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen, Because we want to make sure that you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you have heard. So, here's what I want you to do this week. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to identify with whom you are angry. And this is an easy one because I'm sure this whole day the face of that person has been in your mind. All right? This is the person that, that you have daily shower arguments. This is the story that you tell over and over and over and over to any single person that would listen, okay? Now, once you identify that person, then I want you to determine what they owe you. Now, this is where it gets hard, but this is where the freedom starts because most of us live in a world of sort of general anger, okay? We know we're angry at that person, but can you actually pinpoint what they owe you? What they took from you. I mean, did someone take away your childhood? Did they owe you a childhood? Did someone take away your chance of having a a marriage that would be successful? Did someone take away your reputation? What, What does that person owe you? What you're gonna find out is that most of our offenders, what they owe us, they could never impossible for them to repay. Which is why, according to Jesus, we need to choose to cancel debt. You see, forgiveness is a decision. As as humans, it's a a very tough decision. But for Christians, it's the only decision. Now, forgiveness does come very easy to some people. But for others, it's a struggle. It really is. And in order for you to forgive, you're going to have to do a couple of things. But number one, most importantly, you're going to have to root your forgiveness in your own salvation. Because without an appreciation of of the forgiveness that God has bestowed upon you, that insurmountable, incalculable debt that we have as humans that we could have never repaid, even though we try to repay God, He came down to this world in the form of His Son. He died on that cross and He set us free from our sins. And unless we appreciate that gift of forgiveness, there is no way that we'll be able to forgive other people. Additionally, you're probably gonna have to ask the Holy Spirit for help because there's gonna be all kinds of obstacles between you and that person. I mean, Satan would love nothing more than to see you live in unforgiveness because you're going to be dealing with anger, you're going to be dealing with pride maybe, you're going to be dealing with a with desire for revenge, you're going to be struggling with disappointment, maybe even envy. I don't know what it is, but you do. But I firmly believe if you cry out to God, God, I, I want to forgive this person. Not for them, for me. I want to let this go. I don't want to be chained to this anymore. He will come to your side, and he will help you do just that. So let me pray for you. Dearly Father, I want to thank you that we have this opportunity to come together, even over the internet right now, and talk about one of the bedrocks of our faith, Lord, that as Christians, we are the prime beneficiaries of the forgiveness of your Son, Lord Jesus, who died on that cross for our sins that we are who we are because of that forgiveness, Lord. And I pray, God, I pray for every single person who is watching this right now who is struggling with unforgiveness, Lord. Because being a human is not easy. Interacting with other humans is not easy. We all have hurts that we are dealing with. We all have relationships that we are dealing with that are difficult. Maybe it's an ex. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a neighbor, a sibling, a parent, Lord. But every single one of us is struggling at some level. And maybe we're trying and we're struggling with forgiveness. Lord, I pray that today you would give us the strength by the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive that person, to cancel that debt, and to never pick that debt back up. And we can be sure to give you all the glory and all the thanks. And we ask all of this In Jesus' name.